Our scripture readings this morning uh, start with Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 to 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of God be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And then in Mark chapter 13, Verses 3 to 8. Mark chapter 13, 13, verses 3 to 8. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places, and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. And finally, in John chapter 14, verse 1 Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Good morning. Um, so far, as I look back, how I preached here, usually I relied much on the script. So, like that. <laughs> and Shine always increased, please, why don't you look at the people, then the script? I'm sorry, kind of. English is my second language, I'm not confident, actually, but even when I was in South Korea, also, still, I relied a lot the script, even when I preached in South Korean as well. Um, about three weeks ago, as I led worship in St. Mark with the resident of the workplace, somehow, 
I don't know, whenever I share about the work, uh, jail ministry, I get more bold and a bit more confident, something kind of flowing from me out. So, okay, I would try without a script at St. Mark, <laughs> not here. <laughs> and the feedback was not that bad. <laughs> so I shared with Wes, oh, may I try here? Okay, a bit, a bit small memos here, but no script here. So I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, but I would enjoy more of this kind of live interaction while I preach, as I see you more directly and sharing the grace of Jesus Christ as much as possible rather than <laughs> too much. I would start with what Helen Newman said in his, one of his masterpieces named, book named Reaching Out. And he quoted some person, some early Christian father said, if someone had some certain sins, yet still want to keep teaching, let him teach. Then, someday, he may realize about his sins while, he, while he's teaching, something like that. And he took it as kind of his ground of sharing about what he wanted to share. And that's very impressive to me. I'm here as a preacher, but as a Christian, as a brother, ups and down, struggling, sometimes rejoicing, sometimes free, sometimes entangled. But certainly, I have my weaknesses. But someday, may the Lord help me remove all the kind of, all the kind of sins and make me free. As I prepare the sermon, there's one more text actually. It's Revelation chapter 3. Would you turn please? Revelation chapter 3. Chapter 3, uh, verse 7 to 13. It's about um, Philadelphia church among the, among the seven churches. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have, so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will return to him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches.
As I took a class in South Korea, one professor uh, from the Bible summarized about identity of church in three ways. First one is the people of God. The second one is the body of Christ. The third one is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In our time of confusion, maintaining and preserving our identity as believer and Christian, I believe that's very, very important. The problem is that it is not that easy. We are being challenged in many ways. Some gender issues, some feminism issues, or social justice issues, or among Christians, about Christian doctrine now, there are many divisions, which is so painful. At the same time, the challenges we cannot ignore. And then we met COVID. Almost kind of we thought it's done, but now something new is starting. And some people would say, is it the end time? And now with the Gospel Project, we are going through Revelation, which is about end time. At the same time, as we look back in the history, I believe and I think in every generation from 2,000 years ago, there were people who believed their time was the end time. World War I, World War II, or whatever disease in Europe, so many times whenever people met some weird things and something overwhelming, they thought it could be end time, but it was not. Still, we are waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. One of the clearest things in our waiting for Christ's second coming is Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 24, 36. I'll read it for you. But concerning that day and hour... No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. I believe this is one of the most important principles in waiting for the day of the Lord. About 1990 90 or 91, in South Korea, there was a sect, the Dami Mission Group, and they prophesied the date. At this date, Jesus will come again. Not a few people quit their job and donated their whole property to that mission group. And the pastor was so convincing. And it became social issue in the news, in newspaper. And people were really wondering whether it would come or not. And it did not come. I believe in U.S. there should be some similar history about that. At the same time, we cannot underestimate the challenges we are seeing. So people are afraid of and overwhelmed. Is it the end time? Because still, the challenges are not ignorable. It is indeed painful. So... As we go through this kind of painful time, I want to share about some points in waiting 
waiting for Christ in this challenging time. Whether it's the end time or not, some points we need to maintain and preserve. First one is endurance. Endurance. As I work in the work list, um, about two months ago, the end of June, I could lead a retreat. It was the first retreat ever in the work list, Goshen. And as I thought about the theme, I thought about steadfastness. It could be translated also as uh, patient endurance as well. Because many people from the jail or work list, as they come to the work list from jail or released from the jail, they tend to rush. They want to fix it up right away. Their relationship with girlfriend or boyfriend, their license, their house, their job, everything. The same. Just right away, they want to fix it up. And it doesn't work that fast, actually. And they become a bit frustrated and relapse. So cliche. So as I work as a chaplain in the work release and the jail as well, what I do see is that, oh, I need to slow these guys down. Yes, amen, I heard Keith Pesclone, <laughs> who joined the retreat, yes. I need to, this guy, slow down. Only one thing, guys, your sobriety, your sobriety, if you maintain your sobriety, all things will, will be done well. Even if, even if you don't make that huge amount of effort, just if you maintain your sobriety. And people know it, and it is, an, it is not that easy. Steadfastness, patient endurance, in its Greek, it is hypomeno. No, hypomone, hypomone. Hypo uh, here means under, under. And mone means remaining. Dwelling, staying. So staying under. It means that. Staying under. Some persecution, some suffering, some difficulties. Staying under. That means patient endurance or steadfastness. In the time of social justice in our time, which in many ways I would agree, but about Christian manner of living, as we just read in Revelation chapter 5, Lamb who was slain. The cross, it was the mark of injustice, right? He did not protest. He didn't fight against not to carry the cross, but he knew everything from the scratch. And he was crucified voluntarily. So he suffered that injustice. I'm not promoting here about whatever kind of abuse here. If we have some chance to escape from whatever injustice, yes, we need to, in a wise way. But again, as we behold Christ's example, how he endured the cross, and as we suffer many issues in our time, which is painful, which is confusing, which is frustrating, what's going on here? What's going on in U.S. or Asia, in the world? In global, what's going on in Afghanistan? What's going on? We tend to be angry and upset and frustrated. 
sometimes losing our important virtue of Christian, which is love. Thanks to Alan Crider in his book, Patient Ferment of the Early Church, he highlights over and over and again and again the virtue of patient endurance, steadfastness, hippomone, staying under any suffering, being patient. Again, I preached about Abraham. Many people excited Abraham called to be a blessing of the whole world, and he left without knowing the destination, right? Receiving the promise of son. But I highlighted how many years he had to wait. He was called 75, and he received his son at his age of 100 years. 100 years old. So 25 years of waiting, he waited. It was not a short time, right? When God called him at night, showing him the stars in the sky, your descendants like will be the stars or sand on the shores. Your descendants will be like that. So at the first time, it was so exciting. Yes, Lord, he believed. And God took it as his righteousness. But through 25 years, every, day, every, every night he looked up the night sky and the stars and the sands. How many times he would, he would be frustrated? But Hebrews says he could endure hope against hope. He could endure all the time. And finally, he could receive his promised son, Isaac. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Love like God and endure as Christ. I believe as we see the example of Christ, yes, first and primary character of Christ and God always at the first place is love. But in Corinthians 13, what it says about love, what is first character? It is love is patient. In Corinthians 13, when it says about love is patient, it is, in Greek, is makrothimeo. Makrothimeo is Greek. It's a bit different meaning. Its meaning is to be long-suffering, to be patient. And Claire Rogers, in his book, A New Linguistic and Exegetical Key to the Greek New Testament, he says, the idea of this word is that it takes a long time before fuming and breaking into flames. So that means what it gives us as hope is that the patient is not endless. We try to be patient and endure as Christians, but we must know there is the end. God's righteous timing. God's timing will come, and we hope for God's justice and God's righteousness and God's power and glory will be revealed as we Christians endure and stay under. Second feature, second point I want to highlight. I want to read Revelation chapter 3 again. 
chapter 3, verse 8. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So here, in our Christian patience and endurance, what we need to think about is that what God evaluates us is, is different criteria from the world. God will not ask us how many money you possess, how many power in the world, how many things you enjoy in the world, whatever this world think important. No. This Philadelphia church, among seven churches, this Philadelphia church received the best compliment from the Lord with their little power. They didn't have huge amount of power or whatever, whatever wealth boastable. No, they were just small and weak people. Yet there's no blame, no criticism, no punishment, only overflowing compliment from the Lord. You have such a little power, but you kept my word so faithfully. So the faithfulness, whether we have much power or small power, no matter what, how much we have, being faithful before Jesus Christ, that's the key of faithfulness to the Lord. Sometimes people boast about their knowledge in our debate about what, is, what should be the true Christianity. There, are, there were two people in the work he lives. One person just have started his Christian life. He is full of joy. He volunteers every Sunday morning, going to church one hour earlier and cleaning all the pews. And after worship, he mowing the lawn for free. He's full of grace now. Just have started his faith in Christ. Song being, this is my best condition in my life. About how much he knows about the Bible? Not that much. Uh, I don't, Song Bin, I just read daily bread. Even reading Bible is so overwhelming. But daily bread every day, that's so meaningful. It connects me to the Bible, and I like it. Sometimes miraculous something happened to me through reading daily bread. And one Friday night, one Friday night there was another person. He's been Christian his entire life, but he has lost his faith. He argued as I, as I tried to lead the Bible class. He, he argued and debated a lot. Wow, his knowledge was something great. It was overwhelming, so, so knowledgeable he was. But he didn't have the faith. Some men, I know that. I know Bible. I know theology. I can argue, but I'm not sure about God anymore. And about two weeks later, he ran away from the Achilles, probably in the jail. What God wants us to do is not taking up the huge amount of knowledge or huge amount of money, what the word evaluation and just yearning for, that's not what God wants us to do or have. Whether we have huge amount of power or not so much, just small amount of power, as God told here, the Philadelphia church, which was the best church among those seven churches, you have yet that little power, but you kept my word of faith. You kept my word. You kept my word. 
about being faithfulness. Yes, I need to dig a bit deeper with being faithfulness. To what we need to be faithful. First one is the message of the gospel. Second century, uh, the bishop of Antioch named Ignatius, he said, the essence of my knowledge is the cross of Jesus, his death, and faith related to those. God's son came to, the, came, to the, came to earth, being sent by God, our heavenly father, and crucified voluntarily to cleanse and forgive our sins. In the New Testament, the central narrative of the gospel, God, the Father, sent his Son to be crucified. And Jesus, the Son, obeyed to that. To save sinners like me, like us. That central narrative has been ignored how much in so many, even among Christians. They don't, they don't appreciate that message. That we must be forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. Yes, in the past, some people make some abuse of that. Yes. Not so much serving, not so much sacrificing. Only words. Yes, it's controversial. It's arguable. But it's not deniable the worth and centrality that Christ died for us. And he conquered the death in his resurrection. And he's being ignored so many places, so many seminaries among so many Christians. I'm so sad with that. I took a sermon preaching class in South Korea when I was attending um, um, graduate school. And I really want to get A in preaching class. And it was so overwhelming because the professor gave assignment, you know what, to be a good preacher, you, read, you must read a lot. So if we want to get A or A+, you must read at least 13 books with this one class. Ooh. And I read that all, 13 books about preaching. And I cannot remember all of the contents of the books, but one thing I can remember in one book about expert, I think he's an American theologian, he said, in every preaching, it must have the message of the gospel, that God sent his son, and he died for us, and he conquered the death. In every preaching, it must have the message of the gospel. And that remains in me in my, as my passion. Second, faithfulness, faithful to pious, holy Christian life. Um, I really appreciate whenever Doug Gober preaching here, then quite often he says, you know what, I preach this sermon just like preaching to myself, of time, from time to time, saying like that. And this, this part is exactly like that. Maintaining holy, pious, Christian life. Because I believe the power of Christians coming from not so much eloquent theology or logics, only logics from the Bible, but it must combine the holiness so that the power of the Holy Spirit need to be activated. The power of holiness. The, the light. And our time. Our time. How many people speak of purity? 
holiness. In this liberal and overwhelming cultural waves and tsunami, how much we are courageous to talk about. Because yes, I myself is not that much holy. But I know how much holiness is so important in our Christian faith. Whenever I think about Philadelphia church, they must be quite pious people. Even with just such a small little power, they stick to the word of Christ, being holy and pious. And third one, third point of being faithful is about faithful to congregation, your congregation. It was so meaningful that today we really appreciated all volunteers and installing new board members as well. As I've been involved in step meeting more than a year, almost two years, something like that, especially through COVID, it was quite impressive process because we see certainly two groups. For example, it's a mask, right? And some people kind of insist we must, we must have the mask. We must. Some people, no, no, we don't need to. We don't, we don't need to mask. So they kind of divided. And as, as church leaders and staff, we need to satisfy and we need to serve both of them because both of them are precious, our members, our brothers and sisters. Right? Being faithful to our congregation is as much as possible loving each other in Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul said, if my eating meat stumble my brother, I will not eat meat my entire life, he said. Yes, we can acknowledge the difference. Some people believe mask is must. Some people don't think that way. But we are to each other brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. If my brother think wearing mask, wearing mask is so needed, we need to accept it. If our sister think wearing mask is not needed, oh, she's think like that. We need to accept it and accept her as well. Being committed and, and faithful to congregation as well. We appreciate many volunteers, many volunteers. Working in the kind of all that audios and videos, and I could see how much Doug and Gwen, through the COVID, had to work thorough and thorough. Why don't you come out from your comfort zone? Rather than only watching, if you are not doing something at all, why don't you try to be faithful to your congregation? Third point, so first one is endurance, and second one is different criteria. God does not see whatever world appreciate, but God has, God, God sees the faithfulness of his people. And third one is that about the power working through the saints. I would read Ephesians chapter 1. Verse, verse 15, Ephesians chapter 1 from 15 to 23. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, 
remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What I want to highlight here is that never underestimate God's power in the believers, among the believers. We feel we are overwhelmed. We think we are such a small group. We think not so much power we have. We may think that way. But Apostle Paul, what he proclaims, you must know God's amazing, immeasurable power at work among believers. The faith we maintain, the hope we proclaim, the love we can show, how much powerful it is in this world. It may seem small, but never underestimate God's work among and through us into this world. You know what? The darker and darker the world becomes, the darkest condition, then the, the dimmest, the dimmest light becomes so precious, right? And in, 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 in complete dark, just a small candlelight becomes so precious. And we are carrying those candles. As I see this Philadelphia church in Revelation 3, it feels like, you know, the parable of the servants, talent, one talent, two talent, and five talent, right? And the servant who received one talent, he just buried it and did nothing and rebuked by the master. Whenever I see this Philadelphia church, I think and I feel the servant who received only one talent, right? But... If you see the worth of one talent, one talent gold, please, brothers, it's not a small worth. Still, one talent in Jesus' time is a huge amount of worth. So comparatively, two talents and five talents, it may seem small, but one talent was still a very big worth, value in Jesus' time. As we see ourselves as Christians, being overwhelmed with many things, we may underestimate the power in us, not our own, but God's power at work through us. Remember that. As we proclaim the gospel, salvation belongs to the Lord. We worship the lamb who was slain, but conquered the death. There's power in the proclamation and faith we maintain. In our young adult class, Cornerstone and kind of AJ reminded me of one of his favorite sermons from Wes. And it was very thankful to me because I really liked the sermon from Wes that Wes preached about Jesus washed 24 feet, including Judas Iscariot. I didn't think about that. Oh, was it real? So I checked with the Bible shortly. And it was true. Jesus washed the feet of Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray Jesus Christ. 
Knowing that he would betray him, Jesus served him, washing his feet. And Jesus foretold, Peter, you will deny me three times. And knowing it, Jesus also washed his feet as well. And as I ponder, as I ponder on the text, John, and all those things happened at 13. And then there comes 14. After, after Jesus washed the feet and foretold Peter, you will deny me. And the time of crucifixion was about to come. And Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In the past, I didn't thought about the context, right, about this word. But as I thought about Jesus washed 24 feet and foretold Peter his denial, and he said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God and also believe in me. He knew he'd be crucified. But still, his trust was firm and he knew and believed that God will raise God would raise him. He believed that. Even looking at his death as well. So this is the last point. The worth of faith or of faith. As, you, as we go back to Habakkuk, chapter 3, do you know Habakkuk? is about the fall of Israelite people being destroyed and conquered by Babylonian. Actually, Habakkuk asks some questions. God, seeing the fall and corruption of his own people, Israelite people, Habakkuk asks God, God, our people, your people, is so corrupted. What's going on? And God answered, you know what? I'll punish them. I send Babylonian to punish them. And then Habakkuk was embarrassed because their, his nation was about to be destroyed by, by Babylonian. So in chapter 2, another question, Lord, but this is your people, your people. Those kind of Gentiles, can they punish our people? But God shows him his plan afterwards, how God will restore his people as well. And then Habakkuk, sang a song at the last part of his book. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Something like that. Seeing the fall and collapse of his own country, his own people, he saw that. But how he could rejoice? Because afterward, how God will restore everything. God's still in control. Even with the fall of his own people. So he could rejoice like that. Rejoicing like that is not easy. Think about that. The fall of the U.S., fall of South Korea is coming at hand. We are to be conquered and destroyed. Can you, can you rejoice on that? Because God has planned afterward that. It is not easy at all. It's so painful. But Habakkuk saw the vision. God has his plan. 
God was in his control. So he rejoiced with nothing, no fruit, no cow, no, no, nothing is around him. But he could rejoice because of the Lord. He could rejoice. Let us turn to Lamentation, chapter 3. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22. Verse 22 to verse 24. Lamentation chapter 3, verse 22, 24. I read it for you. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. This confession came out from the ruin. Not in the high time of Israel. It came when God punished and destroyed his people. Jeremiah is known as prophet of tears. Tears and tears because he had to prophesy the fall of Israel. And he's singing, he was singing this song in the midst of ruins and destroyed city Jerusalem. Many people study Revelation whenever they want to know about the end time. At the same time, Mark 13 is also well known as a chapter about end time. As I taught our class, A New Horizon, about two and a half years ago, we went through a book, a Tim Gathered commentary. And I could gain this knowledge. Tim Gathered, he explained so clearly. Jesus did not, said, did not say, be alarmed. He didn't say that. When God's people seeing all those omens and signs of the world, which is so, so overwhelming and nervous, Jesus didn't say, be alarmed. Jesus said, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. Stay faithful, serving the Lord. Huipomone, enduring, patiently, steadfastly. Because we do not know at all when must be the end time. Only Father knows. So what we must do is enduring. And knowing the power of God among God's people. And holding fast the worth and the promise of faith. Yes, we see many challenges in our time, but as we hold fast the promise God giving us, may we stay faithful, enduring, and re-evaluating and appreciating the power of God among God's people, among God's people, among the body of Christ, among the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Where many things are happening, it seems as upheaval and turmoil we see. Many pains, many, much confusion we are facing. And in this time of confusion and pain, Lord, we want to stay faithful and patiently enduring and still believing in you, Lord. Faithful to the message of the gospel. Faithful 
to your congregation, to your body. So Lord, as we strive to be patient, to be enduring, give us your power of the Holy Spirit that we may not be alarmed. We may not be anxious and overwhelmed by all those signs in the world. But just like Habakkuk, just like Jeremiah, and just like Jesus, as he said, after he foretold Peter, Peter's denial and betrayal of Judah, do not let your heart be troubled. Even we see some negative consequences, we may see beyond those negative consequences that we may hold fast the vision of resurrection and eternal life as well. We pray in the precious name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.